Well, good day, Fellowship family. We're setting history here today. Um, wow. We have a chicken. We have a chicken. Actually, a rooster in the house. And it just escaped. Wow, you never know what's going to happen in church today. Hey, everyone, this is Ed Popkiss, and he raises chickens. And um, thanks, Ed. I asked Ed if he could bring a chicken, and he brought a rooster. Um, The other one fell asleep during the messages. Okay, Ed, you may leave. Thank you. So um, I wanted to illustrate this concept as we talk about humility this morning by just talking about chickens. And there's a reason why the scriptures say, uh, you know, they don't say this. They, you know, go to the chicken, consider her ways and be wise. But we get a picture of a chicken with the whole concept of a pecking order. You ever heard of that pecking order? It determines the reality of every chicken on this earth. From the earliest age, they have a pecking order of where the strong are the ones that bully the weak. And uh, this one wants to preach this morning. And uh, it's very uncomfortable, obviously. But a pecking order, if you live around chickens, will determine when they eat. It'll determine what they eat. It'll determine where they live in the roost and where they roost because the, the strong always get the best places. They get the best food. They get the best. It's all about their position. And this is how chickens live. So, lesson one, don't be a chicken. And the sermon's not over yet. But the chicken needs to leave. Ed, the Lord hath need of it. Okay. Hey, there's a passage in the scriptures that uh, I want to just guide us in this, and it's our memory verse for this week. It's in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. That's okay. Yes, yes. Okay. There we go. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Count others more significant than yourselves. So we talked about chickens. Do we have a pecking order? I mean, all you have to do is look at a city, and you'll see a pecking order. You'll see those who have and those who don't, those who have opportunity and those who have choice and those who don't have many choices. It determines where they live. It determines what they eat. Um, pecking order is a real issue. And, and what, no matter what organization you're a part of, whether it's academic, whether it's business, whether it's uh, service, whether it's medical, the pecking order is a very real thing. And as followers of Jesus You all come from different angles of society's backgrounds. You all come from different opportunities and different choices that you have. But how are we to live as followers of Jesus? And the answer is we're to follow Jesus, right? And Jesus really confronts this issue of pride and selfishness and status and power and position in a passage we're going to be looking at. And he's going to show us what humility is. And so my goal over these next few minutes that we have together are to show us what is humility, to have a working definition for all of us, so we we can get our minds around what is humility, and secondly, 
once we know what humility is, we're going to be talking about why we need it. Why we need it, and then how to begin with it. And we learn this from Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, open up with me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, beginning with verse 1. And it's interesting as you're turning there, I just want to remind you a little bit about the book of John. John writes his account of the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And he he wrote it so that we might believe in Jesus and have life in his name. That Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and that by believing we might have life in his name. That's the whole purpose of the book of John. But John is also unique in that 60% of his account of the life of Christ has to do with seven days in the life of Christ. The last seven days of Jesus. If you come from a religious background, this is known as Passion Week. And John really emphasizes this. Why does John take 60% of his material, having spent roughly three years with Jesus, why does he spend so much time on the last seven days? And the answer is because John is all about a picture of showing us how much God loves us in Christ. And he shows us and slows us down to realize that greater love has no one than this, that someone should lay down his life for his friends. And this last seven days have to do with the the, uh, arrest and the trial and the crucifixion and the death of Jesus. And he's going to show us this incredible act of love. And then he's going to reinterpret all the life of Christ and the sayings of Christ and the commands of Christ under this concept of God's love for us. And so let's take a look at it as Jesus teaches us about humility. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper. And he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So picture this. Jesus is eating with his disciples. It's kind of in the private setting of uh, an upper room, and we aren't really told where in Jerusalem this was, but it was in Jerusalem, and Jesus was, was at the favored position at the table. It's different than what you've seen on the picture or the drawing or, I mean, the art of um, the Last Supper, if you've seen that, a different table than that. That's more of a European interpretation of it. A Middle Eastern interpret, uh, reality was, was a, a short table, probably about that tall, that when people sat around it, they actually leaned and down. They, they laid down and leaned on one hand and ate with the other. And Jesus was at a favored position at that table, and he got up, and he started to serve and take on the role of a servant and wash their feet. Let's talk about this because I want to build a working definition just from this act of what humility is. And I'm going to put it forth and then we'll look at each one of these phrases. Humility is stepping down from myself to glorify God and elevate others. It's the stepping down to glorify and elevate elevate. And so let's look at each one of these, because this is significant. Jesus, as I mentioned, was at the favored position at the table. And from that position, he stepped away. 
and he stepped away uh, to show us a larger picture. And as we read this in the book of John, we, if we were to read it with the disciples there and observe it with their eyes, we wouldn't fully understand. But now that we know what happened with Jesus is that 18 hours after this very same event, he was hanging on a cross dying for our sins. Within 18 hours of this, he would step aside from this world to place his life to be a payment for our sins. Paul talks about this in the book of Philippians chapter 2. He says um, this is what Christ did. He didn't take a quality with God, something to be grasped, but he, he humbled himself. He stepped down from that role in heaven, and he lived here, was born on earth, and he lived a perfect life, and he became ode- obedient to death, even death on a cross. He stepped aside. Jesus shows us that. He's the most humble man who ever lived And to be humble, we need to follow him. We need to step down. This is a willing step down. This is not a forced step down. And that's what humility is. It's a choice to step away, to step down from your platform or your position to glorify God and elevate others. When it is unwilling, it's called humiliation. (laughs) In other words, when someone else makes you step down or kicks the leg out of what you're, you're, you're uh, standing on, that's humiliation. But humility is a willing choice to step down from high to low. Secondly, it's to glorify God. Well, as a follower of Jesus, we don't step down to make our names greater so that people will think we're humble. We step down to make God greater. And Jesus is is shown here as bringing glory to his Father. John shares this account to us in so many ways in that Jesus was bringing glory to the Father. It says that Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart to the Father. See, that was a plan even made before, before the world was created of God to redeem humanity. And Jesus was part of this plan. Jesus was obedient to the will of his Father. And he lived in constant fellowship with his heavenly Father. They were close and in communion with each other. He is someone who also, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him all things into his hands. What does that mean? It means that the salvation of the world was placed on Jesus. All things means all things in my life and your life that keep us from God. All things includes the sin and the rebellion that we have in our hearts and in our actions. And all of that was about to be placed in Jesus's, on Jesus. Because here's what we believe as followers of Jesus. When he died on the cross, all of our sin was placed on him. All that wrath, all that frustration, all the payment for our sin that we rightly deserve was placed on Jesus. He bore it for us. He was humiliated before God, his Father, so that we wouldn't have to be when we stand in the name of Jesus. Jesus stepped down, and he did it to bring glory to God. When we glorify God, here's what we do. We make our lives more about him than about us. When we glorify God, we think With the heart of God, when we glorify God, we act in the will of God. And it was the will of God for Jesus to live a perfect life for us, to die on a cross, and to rise from the dead. 
So humility is stepping down. It's not stepping down into a vacuum. It's stepping into the greatness of God so that he might lift us up. And then the the third component of this is that we would elevate others. See, the very way of Jesus is away from the high to the low. Jesus took on this position of servant to elevate his disciples. Now, this is an interesting thing because this was the lowest point of a servant was to wash the feet of people. And Jews so despised this action that even if you were a Jewish slave, they would not allow you to touch the feet of someone. You would become unclean. So they would trust the Gentiles to wash the feet. What Jesus did is he laid aside his position. He even laid aside his cultural norms and traditions and expectations from the religious leaders. And he got down and he washed their feet. He did that to elevate them, to show them the ultimate picture of how they are to live, how they are to serve. He laid aside his position, he took on a towel, and he tied it around his waist. In those days, what you wore gave you a picture of your identity. It's kind of like today. You express a lot with what you wear. You, you can kind of express your wealth with a logo or your, the opportunities you have with a certain style or your personality with I'm this person, I'm not that person. We spend, spend time dressing. And Jesus kind of just took off those things that I would identify anything unique about him. And he humbled himself and he washed their feet as a servant. That's what humility is. So let me ask you a few questions just as we think about what it's like in our own lives to step down from ourselves to glorify God and elevate others. First question is this. Who in your life is modeling that to you? Who in your life do you see modeling this whole picture of stepping away from themselves to glorify God and elevate others? I see it every weekend because I'm in ministry and I see people who show up an hour or two before our services begin and they park the farthest away from the building so that you don't have to walk and they give you a better place. They come in and they pray over this place and they pray for all the people that God is going to entrust in this place today. And they prayed for you even before they knew you. And then they put on this little lanyard and they stand at a door. And as they see you coming, they pray over you. And as they welcome you, they welcome you in the name of Jesus. This is our welcome team. But there's a whole another group of people who just work the lights and the, the, the cameras and the, and the sound and the audio. All that kind of stuff that happens in this room. And they show up at noon on Saturday for four, actually five services with a run through that we do. There's people who show up in the nursery and they hold your kids. And as they hold their kids, your your kids, they pray over them and they love them and they share Jesus from the earliest of ages. There's people who adult and student volunteers who show up every week in the mountain and they welcome your kids. They get to know your child. They're another voice speaking in the love of Jesus in the lives of our children. There's people who show up. This church cannot happen if we don't have people who step down from themselves to glorify God and elevate others. And they do it all so you don't have to. And those are our heroes. They model this picture of Jesus stepping down to glorify God and elevate others. Can I ask you another question? Who steps down from themselves to glorify God and elevate you? Who does that? 
Uh, some of you have parents who do that all the time. They do that every day. They wake up earlier before you. They get breakfast going. They have a few words of encouragement. They pray over you before you leave. They step down from their schedule so that you can be elevated and ultimately bring glory to God. There's people in our lives. What should we do with those people? Thank them. Appreciate them. Recognize that. See, we all value humility. There's something within the human heart just made in the image of God that we long for and value humility so that when someone wins the Super Bowl or when someone wins the election and they go, yes, we are the greatest in the world. We're going to make this happen. And you just go, boy, that's just a, that's repulsive to me. I don't, I don't like that arrogance. And when one of them win the election or they win the Super Bowl or whatever else they win and they go humble, we want to be like them. There's an attraction to this, where the stepping down from ourselves to glorify God and elevate others, and whether or not you know Jesus yet, you still long for that. Who's going to teach us? Jesus is going to. The most humble man who's ever lived on this earth. And so why do we need humility? Why do I need it and you need it? Why does this world need it? Why does our church, why must we have humility if we're going to follow Jesus? Well, there's three reasons, and I find it from this text. So let's keep reading, because you're going to see some of the responses of the humility of Jesus by those who were in the room, two in particular. Let's take a look. It says in verse 6 of chapter 13 of John, it says, He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing right now, Peter, you do not understand. But afterward, you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, Peter, if I do not wash your feet, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, I love this. I'm so much like Peter. Open mouth, insert foot. Lord, not my feet, but, but also my hands and my head. In other words, bring in the bathtub. Dunk me like a Baptist. Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet but is completely clean. For you are clean, but not every one of you, because he knew Judas was in the room, right? He knew who was to betray him. And that's why he said, not all of you are clean. There's a few things that were happening in that room that I think we need to bring to the surface. First of all, we would think that with Jesus, with his best buds, his disciples, everything would great, everything would be united, everyone would be getting along, everything would be happening, but they weren't. They were divided. And we need humility because the world around us and even the world within us is divided. Take a look at two who were divided in the room. One was Judas, right? And Judas was the one who, he was a political enthusiast. He saw the future Messiah that would come to Israel. He saw them as kicking Rome out of the arena so that the Jewish religion could be restored in Jerusalem and the Jews could be a military force in the world. We wouldn't know like any of this type of flavor in our world today, would we? No. Judas Judas wanted to make Israel great again. He just did. And when Jesus came, and he was someone who, who said, Judas, I am a spiritual savior. I'm not a political ruler, and I'm not a military ruler anymore. I'm a, I'm a spiritual leader, and I will lead people back to God, and it will be Jew and Gentile. Judas said, forget it, man. You're not my Jesus. You're not my Messiah. I'm out, and he sold him out. 
And then we have Peter. Peter, if we keep reading the other accounts of this, we very close to this, Peter and John went to Jesus. This is Jesus. We want you to do for us whatever we ask you. Be our genie in the bottle. That's my interpretation of it. It's not in the scriptures there. But and Jesus says, Do you know what you're asking? Do you know what you're asking? In Luke chapter 22, it talks about the disciples at this very moment were debating among themselves who's the greatest with Jesus. They were divided. They were divided. And into this environment that was very divided, Jesus stepped away from himself. He wanted to make it all about his father. And he took on the form of a servant and he washed their feet. He took on the low for them. And it's something that ultimately radically transformed them. Especially after this Jesus, 18 hours later, was hanging on a cross and died and was buried. And when he rose, and he really confirmed to them who he was, this Jesus and this pattern of humility became their pattern for their lives. We're divided. We're divided. We're still divided. That room is not an isolated room. It's very much a reality of our world today. Division causes us to act in ways that either protect ourselves or promote ourselves. Think about the different types of conflict you might have right now. About disagreements or hurts or resentment or jealousy or envy in our lives. It keeps us divided, right? What's the way back? The way back is not to just grab onto a soundbite and form a platform and push your way forward. The pattern has to be humility. Can I remind you? Can I remind all of us? That Christians are supposed to be the most humble people on earth. We are. Because we follow the most humble man in the universe. We're supposed to be the most humble people. And the way out of division is humility. I think about this in my own life. And God has given me privilege. He's given me position. He's given me influence. And the way for me to lead forward is not through pride, and it's not through exerting force and power and forcing people to do it. My way is through humility. When I'm at odds with my wife, the way out is not expecting her to forgive me before we move on. The way out is me to humble my heart and to apologize to her. Whose responsibility is it to unify rather than divide? follower of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's our responsibility. Secondly, we need humility because we're prideful. I just point you to Peter's response. And it's a, it seems like if I were there, I'd probably say these words too. But what do they mean? Jesus, he said, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus was really showing him a physical, physical act to show him a spiritual reality of what Jesus would do. He said, Peter, if I do not wash you, you'll have no part with me. And what Jesus was saying by that is, Peter, there's going to be a time when you'll really understand this. Trust me now. You don't see it now, but you will in the near future. I have to wash you. I have to die on the cross for your sins. You cannot be good enough. You cannot try hard enough. You can be better than people around you, but I've never compared you with people around you. I compare you with perfection, holiness, and therefore all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
Peter, you can't save yourself. I have to save you. And when we come to Christ, we have to do that same. And yet religion, most religions around the world are based on what do you do to make your way back to God? And Jesus came so that he would be the way back to God. If we could be good enough, Jesus would have never had to come. He would have never had to die. And, and his resurrection from the dead would just be a spectacular event, but it wouldn't accomplish anything for us. But in reality, Jesus lived the perfect life we couldn't live. He died on the cross to save us from our sins, and he rose again on the third day. We have to have a point where we humble our hearts before Jesus, where we say, Jesus, I cannot save myself. That's when we humble our hearts before him. Jesus, I can't do this. Only you can do this. And we put our faith and trust in him. The way out. You see, the gospel is not something that's moved by pride. It's moved by humility. And humility steps down from ourselves to glorify God and elevate others. And can I just say one other thing? That if you just trace the advancement of the gospel over the ages, if you trace it in the first century and you chase, chase it in the, or trace it in the 20th century and the advancement, how it moved to places it had never been and how it's moving today in places it's never been. It's brought on the backs of people who step away from their comfort, who step away from their privilege, who step away from their opportunities and their choices, and they bring God glory and they elevate the needs of others. They look around the world and they go, who doesn't have what I have? And how can I make that happen in their lives? How can I go and share Jesus with them? And so the advancement of the gospel by its very nature requires humility. It won't advance by pride. We aren't going to advance the gospel by saying, hey man, we're in, you're out, Jesus rules, Get, you know, believe in him or die. That's not usually how the gospel advances. It's built through humility. It's not, I've got Jesus. Yes, I do. I've got Jesus. How about you to the world? The gospel advances through humility. And then thirdly, we're selfish. (laughs) Peter kind of shows us this. Okay, then if I have to have you, dunk me, Jesus. I want all that you have. How many of us come to Jesus saying, Jesus, Make all my wildest dreams come true. Or I got to the end of myself and I trusted Jesus and my life got really bad. So that's when I quit believing in Jesus. Why? Because Jesus didn't do for us what we wanted him to do. We don't come to Jesus with a resume that we're going to, okay, if you do this, then I'll believe in you. No, we, we humble ourselves and you say, man, this is not about me. It's going to be about you. And... And we tend to craft out a Christianity for us and a belief system for us that makes our lives better. And we only do things when we really see the value in it. That's not humility. That's God, you serve me. It's, hey, I kind of like it that you wash feet. Would you do this tomorrow again for me? And we don't see the reality of what Jesus is teaching us. Folks, we need humility. One of the things I've learned just as I've continued to grow older <laughs> and lost more hair is is just I'm, I'm sick and tired of my life being about me and I look forward to a day when I wake up before the presence of the Lord and it's not about how does Joe feel what does Joe want 
What's Joe's dream for the day? I long to be liberated from myself when I'm truly humble to the Lord, where I look and I, it's an easy step away from myself to glorify God and elevate others. I long for that. But until that happens, I'm going to keep practicing. I'm going to keep practicing humility. And so as we move from here, we want to ask another question is, how do we begin? How do we begin? Because I think, I really do, I really think that's why you got up on a Sunday morning, you came to church. Because you want to look more like Jesus. Or if you haven't met Jesus yet, that you would at least learn a little bit more about him and, and understand what his humility looks like. So I think we all would want to say, do you want, when someone asks you, do you want to be humble? We go, yes, yes. You want to be prideful, selfish, and divided. None of us would wake up, hopefully, (laughs) if we're mentally stable, and go, yes, I want that. I want to be humble. How? How do we follow Jesus in this area? Well, one of the things that we have on this is we just don't have the act of Jesus. We have the explanation of why Jesus did it. Let's keep reading in that passage. Verse 12. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for for I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Jesus is teaching us, hey, we need to do the same. And look at that word, do. That do. So what we need to know about humility is humility is not just a humble thought. It's not just a view of yourself as you look at others. It is an action. And Jesus got up and washed their feet. Hum- humility is humble acts. So how do we become humility? How, how do we do humble acts? And the first one is this. I think we have to see ourselves the way Jesus sees us. And the word here is that you are loved by Jesus. John is very specific as he introduces this narrative to us. He says, Jesus loved his own, and he loved us to the end. John was just overwhelmed by the love of God for him. And John realized that Uh, Jesus did all of this because he loved them. And that's where we learn the secret to humility. Without love, we cannot be humble. You don't just love yourself more and you're more humble. That usually works in the opposite. Works more towards selfishness and pride when you love yourself and be the you that you were created to be, you know. It has to, we have to humble our our hearts and, and be loved by Jesus. How are you loved by Jesus? Well, you realize who he is and how he views you. God is love. And God so loved this world that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So God sent Jesus not just to save us but to love us. And so that we wouldn't just be outsiders. We wouldn't just be members in a church. We would be family with him. We would be sons and daughters of God. We have a loving heavenly father. And that's something that each of us have to to receive. There's a lot of words that you might have to describe God. 
but the chief word that has guided God in all his dealings with us is love. Another word that's really close to it is grace, God's undeserved love for us. So when we come to Jesus, what we basically say is, Jesus, I'm turning from myself and I'm going to allow you to love me. You lived for me, you died for me, you rose again for me. I believe that and I receive your love into my life. If you love Jesus, you'll turn from sin. You'll turn from the things that divide you. Just in any relationship, you hate the things that tear you apart and you love the things that bring you together. In a relationship with God, it's the same. So obviously, repentance is a part of being loved by God. You turn from your sin to trust and follow Jesus because he loves you. And once you're convinced that Jesus loves you and it's not related to your performance, it's not related to your works, your failures, or your successes, then you can live as a child of God. Live as a beloved child of God. Did you know that's your first calling? Everyone in this room is called to be a child of God because you have a loving heavenly father. Do you know that's my first calling? I love that I get to be a pastor, not my first calling. I love that I get to be the father of three boys and a daughter-in-law. But that's not my first calling. I love that I get to be Cheryl's husband. But that's not my first calling. My first calling is a child of God. And when I love God with my first and my best, guess what? All those other callings, I can love them like Jesus loves them. That first calling is something that we all have to respond to. Will you allow God to love you? Because when you do, he humbles your heart. Anyone who loves the Lord is going to have a heart that is learning about humility. Because he's re- you realize how he's loved you. And secondly, secondly, we learn to love others like Jesus loves us. Jesus said, I've left for you an example that you should do this. And some people have interpreted that, that just like communion and baptism, we need to do foot washing, okay? And God bless them. That's an interpretation of this passage. But I don't believe it's just about foot washing. I believe that this is how we are to live. This is who we are to be. We are to be people of the towel, People who model the servant leadership of Jesus. That the corporate structure of the few at the top is to be inverted for every one of us who have been given any type of leadership role. It's that others go before us and we step down from ourselves. Jesus said, follow me in this area. And his disciples advanced the gospel to the end of the known world in their generation because of this principle. Because they loved others like Jesus loves them. So here's what I want to do with this. The greatest thing you could do today is to step away from yourself to bring glory to God and to elevate others. So I want you to think about just the potential of this room. If we really got in mind of what Jesus is saying to us and we really started to live this in our lives, here's what I want you to do. Over the course of this next week, One time a day, I want you to make a willing decision to step down from yourself to glorify God and elevate others. One time a day. The rest of the day, you can be divided and selfish and prideful. (laughs) But one time. One time, I want you to give God a chance in your life in the area of humility. 
I want you not to think humbly. I want you to do humbly. I want you, and it can be as simple as the guy who waits for the last moment to merge, for you to go, merge. I step down from myself to glorify God and let you in. It could also be, honey, I don't want to treat you that way anymore. My life has been all about me, and I can't lead that way anymore. You deserve better. It could be, instead of letting someone hear the vent of your anger, stepping down from yourself to glorify God. Make it about God, not about you. It might be, I'm about to post this, but that's not humble. That doesn't show a humble king who's leading my life. And I don't want you to call anyone's attention to it. I don't want you to go, hashtag humble today, you know. (laughs) Don't go there. Don't go there. Just do it. Don't call attention to it. Make God greater and you less and elevate someone else. Here's what could happen. Just think about it. We're in this room. Guys, put a lot of people in this room right now. Seven days, seven acts, each of us. So over 5,000 people will get a picture of humility from just this room. Just this room. 5,000 people are going to cross your path and they're going to see a picture of what it looks like to be humble. Not to think humble thoughts, but to be humble people. And the world might just see the leader of your life, this humble leader named Jesus. People might just see a picture away from a divided, prideful, and selfish world, away from themselves, and into a life with God. And you might, you might just get an appetite, more than division, more than pride, more than selfishness, a picture of humility. Who will join me on this? Who will join me in these acts of humility? Any willing heart, God will make himself greater in. Would you stand? And as you stand, I want you to think through this, what this will look like. Some of us will plan this in the beginning of the day. You might resolve some conflict with people. Others of us will just wait for God to bring that person or that opportunity in. But I'm excited about what God will do in just a few minutes for the rest of our week when we are available with humility. Let me pray for you and trust you and commit you to the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for each person in this room. I commit them to you. This is the church. It's not a building. These are your church. So Lord, reflect your humility through each willing heart that steps down from themselves to bring you glory and elevate others. We look forward and we're expecting to see what you will do through our lives. Thank you for calling us into the game and not leaving us in the sidelines, but calling us into the game. And Holy Spirit, have freedom with humility in our hearts today. We go in the name of Jesus. In his name we pray and for his glory that we live. Amen. Go church and step down.